Yesterday I had coffee with somebody who I, um, I, I forced, well, actually didn't force, I strongly um, encouraged him to read my letter of introduction to my Ohio lawmakers. And he remarked that um, uh, my reading, as, as he was reading, he had to kind of back up and reread several paragraphs just, just to, to process what I was saying. And he, he said that um, uh, he processes and retains things far greater when he hears things um, recorded. So what I decided to do was record my letter um, of int introduction to my Ohio lawmakers. And uh, so here it is. Um, it's on Medium, in case you, um, um, you, you, are, you are unaware. But anyway, I, I'm posting it here, so here it goes. My letter of introduction to Ohio lawmakers. This was primarily addressed to Rob Portman based on the vote the Senate took um, at that 2 a.m., I believe it was last week. A version was uh, edited slightly and also sent to the Congressman Turner's office, uh, courtesy copy to uh, my, my Senator Sherrod Brown. These three are solely responsible on whether or not I can even buy health care insurance in Ohio. These people decide whether I live or die. Think on that for a minute. My name is Gerard McLean. I reside in Englewood, Ohio, 45322 in Montgomery County. I have not yet written on you on any matter with the exception of the Replace ACA plan, which I hope by now you have received, but I have written your colleague, Sherrod Brown, and your predecessor, uh, Senator George Voinovich. That failing is on me, but in light of the most recent developments on the Affordable Care Act, I feel we should perhaps get to know each other a bit better, as I promise to be a more regular voice in calls and letters to your office. I was born in Minnesota as the second of five in a working-class family. I grew up in the shadows of a slum neighborhood in St. Paul known as Frogtown. At the end of our street were four bars. One was a biker bar. My family was so poor that we shopped at the Goodwill for secondhand clothing. I distinctly remember one very cold winter when I had only a green sort of plaid cloth coat to keep me warm. My cheeks, ears, and fingers were frostbitten one morning while walking to school, scars I still bear today. When I was nine years old, I lied to the St. Paul Pioneer Press and Dispatch, saying I was ten. It was their minimum age to get a paper out. I, I, actually, I got three paper outs. I delivered papers every morning and evening. That money went toward food and school tuition. I attended St. Agnes Catholic School. My parents wanted to give us kids a good education, but they, they could not afford it. This was my only option to stay in a good school. The daily walk to school and back were also quite was also quite dangerous, having to pass by several neighborhoods that were less than affluent. There were bullies on almost every block who took pride in chasing and beating up us on uh, kids who wore Catholic school uniforms. There were no buses for us to ride, and asking our parents to walk us was really just not an option with babies at home. We toughened up quickly. Some fights we lost, some fights we won. But every day there was a struggle of some kind. When I turned 14, I got a job at the Viking Village Smorgasbord as a busboy for $2.30 an hour. My mom took over the paper routes to keep the income flowing into our family. My dad was a claims clerk for Ingersoll, but lost his job in a merger. He went on to create three businesses, which ultimately failed, but not for lack of trying. They eventually divorced. By the time I was 16, I made my way from busboy to head weekend cook, arriving in the pre-dawn hours and leaving when the sun set every Saturday and Sunday. I also worked almost every weekday. I was thrilled when I got a raise to 310 an hour. 
All the while I was working, I was keeping up a 4.0 GPA at school, taking advanced math, science, and language classes. If you research St. Agnes High School, you will discover that this is no small accomplishment. I graduated eighth in my class. There were a lot of smart kids in our graduating class, and the competition was fierce. We were all friends, fighting the same battles for good grades that got us into good colleges, so, so it was all good. My transportation to and from work was a bus that ran on University Avenue from Dale Street to Snelling Avenue. At the time, the drop-off and pickup corner was an infamous hooker and peep show corner with new dancing theaters. Almost every night when I got off work smelling of fry grease and garbage, I was propositioned. I was 14 to 16 years old, but it didn't matter to them. The hookers were also desperate for money, and I was a potential John. Sometimes I walked to work, but the neighborhoods I needed to cross through were more dangerous and unpalatable than the bus. Yet every day I went to work to pay for basic life needs and school tuition. At 17, I was lucky enough to get a job at the new Target store. It was in the same neighborhood, but the place was changing. The St. Paul police cleaned up one of the strip joints at the Belmont Club and made it into a police station. By then, I had purchased a car and was driving, but not before I had to threaten my dad with physical violence for him to sign my driving license application. I'm not proud of that, but it was necessary. It, it, it haunts me to this day. I chose the path. I saw no other option. When I graduated high school, I started my studies at the University of Minnesota, even testing out of several math, science, and language requirements. I studied Latin for four years in high school, taught by nuns. I worked 40-plus hours every week at Target for two years in college, got married and had a son. I dropped out of the traditional college track and began going to night school, carrying 12 to 16 credit hours when I was offered a full-time management job with Target, mostly because it came with great health insurance. After six and a half years of working at Target, I was then offered a job with YLCE, which later became Huffy Service First, assembling bicycles for retail stores. I took it because it paid better, and the, and the hours were more flexible. It was hard work, but I got mostly weekends off, and I could expand my college classes in the morning, work through the day, and go to night class. In the winter, when bikes were in less demand, because Minnesota has winter, I studied harder to finish my degree. After building bikes for almost three years, Huffy offered me an area management job, which later turned into a promotion and a relocation to Dayton, Ohio. I thought I had finished my degree, but found out after moving the letter, I was four credits short. I was furious, but, but it was what it was. I later finished remotely by fast-talking a professor at Wright State University to become an advisor, and my English undergrad advisor at the, um, the University of Minnesota was flexible. For those two kind souls, I will be forever grateful. They didn't have to go out of their way to help somebody they barely knew on a problem that wasn't theirs, but they did. Three months prior to relocating, my daughter was born. It was a hectic time as our house was trying to sell when the first Gulf War broke out. Nobody was buying houses because nobody was certain of the economy. It eventually sold, but not after 121 showings and several Minnesota March blizzards that forced a very pregnant woman to clear a very long and wide driveway with a snowblower. I was living temporarily in Dayton as my job started in January, and we sold the house finally in June. The folks at Huffy were unbelievably understanding of my situation, and for them, I am also grateful. The job at Huffy required a lot of travel, which means I missed a lot of my time with my daughter, but that's what the corporate job entails. We give up some things to be able to provide for our families, health insurance being one of those things. 
After working at Huffy for several years and securing several promotions, I was offered a VP position with a marketing company back in Minneapolis. Before we could relocate, my mother-in-law, who, who lived in Denmark, passed away. I commuted back and forth between Dayton and Minneapolis for as long as I could, but it soon became apparent that relocation was just out of the question. I did what every responsible dad and husband would do. I moved back to Dayton, where I was resolved to make it my home until my two kids were out of college. After moving back to Dayton, I took a job with a local medical device firm and sold exercise bikes to paralyzed people for over two years before grifting my way into a position with the Dayton Daily News. On 9-11, I was the website desk, updating the site as news flowed in from CNN and the AP. I was tasked with this because I was the only one in the building at the time who had any website skills. It was both awesome and humbling to be the public voice of calm through a very chaotic day. All the while I was working at the biomedical company and the newspaper, I was building a business on, on nights, weekends, and the wee hours of the morning. I have an entrepreneurial spirit that needed to soar. In 2002, I was finally able to break free of corporate jobs and work uh, full-time on my business. I'm a job creator, having created 14 jobs since 2002, including my own. I built a company that is the second largest soccer tournament management firm in the country. I'm very proud of this accomplishment. The first consideration to working my business full-time was being able to provide health insurance for my family. I was lucky to happen upon an insurance broker who walked me through a plan that covered my family and was affordable. It was a plan I have it, it is the plan I still have today, but only because of the protections the ACA afforded me after the after 2010-2014. It is quite expensive now and the benefits have dropped slightly, but at least I have health insurance. Income from my company also allowed me to send my two kids to college and gave me the flexibility to be there to support them when writing, say, like a 20-page paper, which was almost unbearable. It was a tough time, taking on clients that were demanding and ungrateful, but it was money, money I needed to provide education, a safe home, food, clothing, and health insurance. They both graduated from Ohio universities, Miami University with a BFA, and Wright State University with a BA in history. They have both since moved out of Ohio to New York and Houston, respectively. It makes me sad every day they are not close to me, but there are no jobs in Ohio that allow them to live their potential. They are very bright, and Dayton would just hold them back. My daughter is student debt-free, and my son has minimal student loans, which I'm helping him to pay off, as I was committed to helping them through college. Wright State is less expensive than Miami, but I understand artists. He's a very talented artist, and his soul needed that nourishment. A college degree is a minimum requirement for, for today's workforce. It also, it also expands intellectual curiosity and earnings potential. It allows my kids to see a world beyond their immediate surroundings. You understand, Senator. In the time I, since I, I started working full-time in my company, I wrote three books, one of which is 100 Letters to Hillary Clinton on my health care. I am now working on a fourth. No, uh, there's no sneak peek. There's, I'm not going to let you see the title. You, you'll read it when it's there. <laughs> In 2013, I was hit unexpectedly hard with a bout of CIDP, which affected the nerves throughout my body. I was lucky in some ways because I built a business that afforded me income. I had health insurance, albeit expensive insurance, and the good fortune to have a doctor who cared enough to poke around for care. I was patched up by some exceptional doctors at OSU. Doctors I will be grateful for for the rest of my life. 
I'm not 100% and probably never will be, but I'm able to make a living with my head instead of my back. I'm sharing this story because I am one such rags-to-riches American dream story the Republican Party purports to believe in. I believe in hard work, personal responsibility, education, dignity through purpose, all those things that are in Speaker Ryan's A Better Way. When I started voting, I voted Republican for Reagan and then George Bush Sr. But something changed with the Republican Party. It became the party of selfishness and not self-responsibility. It became the party of taking away rights for those who worked hard to build companies, provide for families, and squirrel away a little bit of retirement to be able to enjoy the company of grandkids in relative comfort one day. I wanted no part of that and voted for Bill Clinton in 1992 and have voted Democratic since. The loss to George W. Bush was heartbreaking, but the loss to Donald Trump is devastating. Not only for me, but, but my home, the United States of America, and the great state of Ohio. Here's the rub, Senator. I am a middle-aged white man living in the rust belt of America. I am a small businessman who created a company from nothing but hard work, education, sweat, help from others, entrepreneurial efforts, and an indomitable spirit that created jobs and lots of tax revenue to the United States of America, Ohio, and the city of Englewood. I am a homeowner in the suburb of Dayton. I raised two kids and educated them through college. I am the very definition of a Republican voter. Yet the Republican Party lost me. This morning at 2 a.m., I watched in horror as you and other Republicans voted to dismantle my health care options, all of my options. My family was never without health insurance, ever, not one day, not one hour. It was a commitment I made to them and a commitment I have kept. Your vote last night to repeal the ACA was horrifying and saddening. As I am about a decade shy of Medicare age and purchased my individual, individual plan in the free market, with the repeal of the ACA, I have run out of options for health care when Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield of Ohio can legally drop me for a pre-existing condition. I will find a way forward when the ACA is eventually repealed. Of, of that, I have no doubt. The last few decades of my life will not be anything like I had planned, nor will the lives of my two kids. I don't know how I will be able to secure health care when the free market decides to fire me, but I will figure it out. I am the same unsinkable ship as when I was nine years old, and I will endure. I will adjust my sails. We are all on this planet together, Senator. What affects you affects me. My concern and confusion right now is why you and the Republican Party are blowing such strong headwinds into my sails, why you appear to be adamant about sinking me, why you are destroying the very environment that has allowed me to thrive despite overwhelming odds. I apologize for the length of this letter, but smashing over half a century of living onto a single page proved to be an impossible task even for a writer of my ability. Regards, Gerard McLean, Ohio resident, citizen of the United States of America.